Hello, welcome back to Deep Sleep with Night Novels. We're back to Perfect Blue, Complete Metamorphosis. We're now on Chapter 5, Determination. Part 1. The day was busy from the start. Mima made three TV appearances in just the morning alone, added to a spat of magazine interviews and other obligations. Even her assistant Rumi had trouble keeping track of the full day schedule. But no matter how frantic the day got, Mima did it all without a single complaint. Only after she finished her guest role on an afternoon variety program did Mima and Rumi finally have time for lunch. The pair went into a small cafe adjacent to an Arizora TV studio. The lunch crowds had mostly cleared out. No one recognized the singer. Rumi ordered a salad and Mima went back and forth on a few items before deciding on the pilaf. With a displeased twitch of her nose, Rumi said, I still can't get over what she tried to do to you. She's always hated me, Mima said, but the feeling is mutual. Do you remember that magazine interview when she said she thought of you as her rival? Even back then, she sounded so full of herself. She's ambitious. Rumi's frown bore out creases across her eyebrows. It's not a matter of being ambitious. She's delusional. You know what I think? I think she's not right in the head. Without meaning to, Mima let out a sigh. Rumi-chan, you shouldn't talk like that. Badmouthing her won't help anything. I mean it. She's crazy. Rumi said, twirling her fork in the air to emphasis. Look at how she used that report to try to drag you down. I would put in a password to... Rumi lowered her voice. To be behind those calls and letters. Mima gently waved her hand dismissively. I don't think so. I almost wish she'd put that man up to it. I feel safer, at least, but no, I don't think he has anything to do with her. I'm not so sure, Rumi said, lip pouted. I don't mean to speak out of place, but you don't know what that area is capable of doing. She even came up with that nonsense about you and Aronato. Mima lowered her head and kept it that way for a while. Rumi watched her with a concern and asked, What's wrong, Mima-san? Mima snapped her head up. Okay, I feel like I can tell you this. The singer drowned the water in her cup and with a single gulp then said, She made up that story about Nato. Rumi's eyes went wide as she explained, What? We dated, but it was just for a little while and it was more than two years ago. I was serious about the relationship, but I couldn't tell if he was and so I broke off. Mima stared off into the distance. He has nothing more than happy memories now. But... But... Rumi looked right at her. You're not dating him now, right? He was trying to make it sound like it's still a thing. How low can she go? And you know what? Even if... If if you were still dating him, that's your own business. Anyone who tallying so to some sleazy reporter doesn't deserve to be an idol. Part 2 Entering the KTV studio building, Mima passed the open door to the makeup room and saw Ochai Eri inside, standing before a full-length mirror. Her self-blocking rival was talking with the director of Sunday Studio, but Mima couldn't make out what their conversation saved for the man's occasional booming laughter. Keeping expression casual, Mima entered the room. The director noticed her. Hey, Mima-chan! Mima offered the pair a slight bow, which Eri returned. Mima approached Eri and asked, do you have a moment? 
The young girl responded with a nod that said she knew full well what this was about. The two women made their way to a small, plainly decorated cafe into the KT building, while Mima got straight to the point. What do you think you're doing? Mima demanded. Iris lift frowned a snowing smirk. Whatever do you mean? You can feel however you like about me? Mima said, brushing aside a stack of lock of hair with a casual flick of her hand. But I'd like to stop these cowardly attempts to sabotage my career. Iris laughed through her nose and replied, Mima-san, I respect you. That's why I chose you as my rival. I even said as much in that interview. Surely I would never try to sabotage someone who I admire. Mira returned the laugh. Eerie Chan, let's drop the pleasantries for today, shall we? I wasn't supposed to say what we mean. Now you know a man called Sakuraji Shin, don't you? I've met him. Eerie replied. He's a part for a third-rate magazine. He did an article about me. And that's all? Of course that's all. He suggested there's something more. Anger colored Eerie's expression, but Mima's stare remained unflinching. Mima said, This archery guy was watching my apartment. My magic caught him and loosened his lips. Do I have to say more? It's not like you're suggesting that I sent Sakuraji to your apartment. Eerie rose from the chair and let out a deep laugh. Mima-san, you really are getting old and out of touch. I tell him how much your world works. It's reports job to dig through famous people's and private lives. I don't tell him where to go. He goes wherever he decides. I never put that Sakuraji up to anything. Mima slapped her hands on the table and stiffened her chair. I see how it is. Well, I know who you are. And I won't suggest that you seduce that reporter into doing your bidding. But I've got one thing to say to you. You keep saying I put on an innocent girl act, but... I believe that an idol has to be some real innocence in her. If that comes across as an act, or being out of touch, then so be it. Mima looked at her ear right in the eye and continued, I'll make this clear as I can, Eri-chan. You can make yourself as sexy as you want, but sexy and promiscuous aren't the same thing. Idols who are loose with men always end up hated by their fans. The core of idol pride is the innocence deeper than her heart. You do the best to remember that. Eerie doused Mima with the water in her cup. She shouted, I don't care what you think! And ran from the cafe. When Achira Eerie got to the green room, she immediately took out her cell phone. She called a number twice without getting an answer, but the third connected. Hello, Nato? Eerie said, irritation edging into her voice. Are you free tonight? Eerie Nato spoke the hoarse voice of someone who had just woken up. This is Eerie. Why are you calling me so early? Come on, I can call you whenever, so are you free tonight? I need a little more notice than that, Nato said. How about another day? If that's how you're going to be, then fine. I'll need to see you anyway. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Nato sighed. You always have to have it your way, don't you? Iri said, so you are free tonight. Rapanji, 10pm, you know the place. Don't be late. Nato clicked his tongue. You're not giving me much a choice. Eerie hung up, cutting off any further protest. Her lips formed a tight smile as she thought to herself, I'll show that poser. We'll see what she has to say for herself then. She looked at her own face in the green room mirror, affording herself a deep nod. Part 3 The man cheerfully began wrapping the cloth around his arm. 
Sharp pain flashed across the limbs, and the pungent stench of rotten flesh filled the air. Clinging to the cloth were splotches of blackened blood and dried out flakes of skin. The man closely inspected his bared arm. The middle of it had been turned a blackish red. There it stung with prickling, itchy pain. The man probed the painful patch with his fingernail. With each little scratch, the discolored flesh flaked away and scattered. The layer beneath the wet, sticky and wet, he gave the area a wipe with a scrap of cloth and intense pain spread through the entire arm. The man narrowed his already small eyes and felt grief. A failure, after all, he muttered under his breath, gazing upon the festering patch. I might need to revise my plans. He impatiently rubbed the discolored skin with his all five fingers of his other hand. The flakes of dried skin mixed with the wet, sticky layer below the form of gelatinous globs, while he wiped away with the cloth. But even after the arm had been scrubbed clean, dots of clear, oozy fluid emerged from the wound. He pressed one with his firm finger, and a yellowish pus splurted out. The man's eyes remained fixed on the sickly colored forearm as he fought to bottle up the rage building in the pit of his stomach. Why? Why wouldn't it take? He shouted. He threw the blood and pus covered rag to the floor. I went through so much effort to take that skin. I worked so hard for it. For me, my sake. Why? Why wouldn't it stay on? He pounded a fist against his desk. He put his hand over his head and dropped to the floor, convulsing. The skin must stay on. The skin must stay on. The skin must stay on. He lifted his head. Before him was a poster of Kiriko Mima, innocently smiling. She gazed at him. She spoke inside him. If you really care for me, don't give up. Keep trying. Just a little bit longer. He felt like something had stuck him on the head. That's right. That's right. He said. He sat up in the middle of the small room. This is for Mima's sake. I can't give up so easily. His face went red with self-reproachful embarrassment and he slapped himself on the cheek. Just because the skin doesn't stay on doesn't mean I can't let myself be discouraged, possibly thinking that what I need. He grinned at the Mima on the poster. It was probably just a problem with materials, even though I keep the skin in the freezer, it was still a month old. Plus, the girl was very young. Maybe there was some kind of cellular mismatch due to the difference in age. The man grinned widened. What good does worrying do when you can take action instead? Isn't that right, Mima? I'm gonna give it another try. I swear I am. Next time, I'll experiment with a woman close to your age. And if I can, I probably should use another idol's skin. Don't you think? The man crushed the poster of Mima's face. I'm alright now. Look, I'm not depressed at all. To prove his point, he spun around once and exaggerated a goofy display. Now, which idol will be my test subject? The man's expression changed to that of a beast seeking its prey. A single videocassette lay upon the desk. On its cardboard sleeve, written in a wriggly, worm-like scrawl with the words, For self-pleasure, idols, volume 3. The man removed the tape from its sleeve and carefully set it in its VCR. He pressed a play button with various idols, all in flashy costumes, began appearing on the screen. First was Izumi Haruna, then Kawano Kaiko, 
and then Peach Pie, and so on. As was apparent from the tape title, the recording feature were ones the man used when he fondled himself. Now have you done to the image of Kiriko Mima? Not once. Not even a fantasy of her. He didn't want to stay in her purity. He used other idols to handle his base desires. Now, he watched the tape not for pleasure, but in the hope of finding a suitable test subject. One after another, pretty idols appeared on the cutthroat raid tube, but the man began to doubt his approaches. Yes, he had pledged himself to the sight of them, but the cuteness and innocence still stirred his emotions. Even in service to Mima, he couldn't bear to take any of the spirit girls as test subjects. Especially not when he intended to perform his next attempt on nearly the same scales as his final plan. He would not be merely removing a tiny patch of skin from his thigh as he had with the little girl. The man pressed the fast forward button impatiently. Was there no idol he could use for his tap subject without prickling his conscience? As the tape approached its end, the recording became more recent and featured newer idols. The man's finger lifted from the fast forward button. On the screen was an idol in a leotard, a leotard with quite high-cut legs at that, clinging to each curve and fold. Hachai the man whispered. A dull feeling of pleasure came to life in his groin. He lowered the zipper and pulled himself out, taking himself gently in the right hand. He began stroking rhythmically. On the TV screen, Eerie grinded her exposed hips. For just a moment, the fabric of earlier tire fold tighter between her legs. The man let a short grunt and thick, sticky mess spilled out of his hand. He touched his hand to Eerie's face and shouted, overcome by deep emotion, You whore! You seducer of men! You're no idol, you're nothing! You bring nothing but grief to your innocent fans! That's it, I've decided. I'll take you as my test subject. Just you wait! Part 4 Excitement left the Rumi's voice nearly to the squeal. This is incredible! It's fantastic! Rumi, Mima, Tarakora, and Murano Yuji were all seated on the sofa in the Moon Kids Agency reception area. On the table before them was a freshly printed copy of Mima's photo album, Sexy Valley. Clapping his hands, Tarakora said, It came out even better than I had hoped. Indeed. After flipping through the pages, Mima felt more confident in the foes than she might have expected. To Mima, Tarakora said, You're satisfied, aren't you? I can tell. The singer nodded and smiled, Yes, I, I like it. It's great, Rumi said. I just know I it's got the shock value, but it's not obscene. Mima's charm and Miranda's talent with the camera delivered a quint for sure. Rumi glanced at the photographer, then quickly looked away, her cheeks flushing a little. With embarrassed twitch of the nose, Yushi said, I'm flattered, but the collection are in success is entirely owed to the subject. She's the one who's made it work, not me. Mima said, No, Rumi-chan is right. If you weren't such a skilled photographer, these photos wouldn't have been so tasteful. Look at this page, she said, opening the book. If this photograph hadn't been taken just right, it would have ended up trashy. The picture was Mima wearing a little apron and nothing else. A slash light obscured her nipples from the view, but still left the picture remarkably risque. Rumi turned to another page and said, This one is incredible too! Mima was standing fully nude behind a pane of glass. Here and there were the glasses were slightly clouded over. 
The hazy patches conveniently obscene only the most vital part, but the rest of her was captured in perfect clarity. A quick glance might have given the impression she was on full display. The collection was packed with pictures sexier than Ochai Iri had ever managed. Entire core felt for sure that even people who weren't Mima's fans would want a copy. The manager said, These will be lined up at the front of the store. Starting tomorrow, and Mima CD singles comes out the same day. The cross-promotion effect will be likely nothing else. And since we haven't leaked any of the photos, I can't wait to see the looks on everyone's face when they pick up the copy. He loosed a heartfelt belly laugh and added, All the right, listen well, because I'm about to make a promise. Mima has put her heart and soul into this, and will let her efforts be wasted. With conviction in his voice, he stood, Sexy Valley will take number one. You hear that, Mima? Number one, I guarantee it. Swept by Terracor's impassioned vow, Mima found herself standing with him. I'll promise too, she said. I'll take, I'm taking number one. Say goodbye to Charming Rose and say hello to Bombshell. Part 5 As night fell outside, the man sat in deep thought in his newly darkened room. With a furrowed brow, his mind fixing on one single thing. How to attain his test subject, Ochari Eri. He had some measure of confidence in his physical strength, but no matter how strong it was, he was still a human. Abducting her alone was nearly impossible. Rather than relying on his strength, perhaps he could devise some maneuver to lure her to his room. He picked up the knife with Kirigo Mimo relief in the handle. Whenever he held the weapon, an uncanny calm settled over him. Now it's providing him with a spark of hope. The confidence that the right idea was somewhere inside him waiting to be found. He stared into the weapon's blade. His reflection looked back at him from the sharpened and polished metal. His own face unnerved him. Those fierce eyes reminded him of the evil cat spirit in an old ghost story. His attributes, the look onto the death of his conviction. He considered his options. What if I soak a rag with chloroform and hold her into a taxi? The man placed the knife back on his desk and folded his arm. No, that won't work. Obtaining the drug would be difficult and getting caught with an unconscious bite isn't something I could talk my way out of. Under his breath, he muttered, That won't do. No matter how he went about it, abducting her carried too high of a risk. The best way would be for Eri to come into his room on her own volition. But how could he make her want to do it? First, he imagined himself in her position. If he could put himself in her shoes, he might be able to understand the way she tickled. If he pulled that off, he might just be able to devise a scheme to get her here. And so he pondered. Eri had no morals. She lusted after men and had no reserve reservation against taking them. The sooner the world was rid of her, the better. By permission or not, she was still an idol. Even a trap like her still had to appeal to her fans as an idol. No matter what her character, she was no porno actress. They made her vulnerable to scandals. That involved sex would be failed even to her. By holding the threat of such scandal over her, the man resumed he could manipulate her freely. Getting her to come to his room would be easy. The man picked up an idol magazine from the floor beside him. He turned through the pages and found the listing for the phone numbers of her managing agency, Nuclear Vision. His plan was to call the office and ask for a fan club's contact number. 
Once they got to talking, fan club members tend to divulge an idle schedule in much greater detail than the HC ever would. Once he had her complete schedule, he worked backwards to find her free time. That's when he'd sleuth on the scandal he needed. He's prepared to follow her for days, if that's what it took. But still, he needed to hurry. Time was running out. He couldn't afford to waste it. Every hour and every minute counted. To save the charming rose, he needed to know the feel of an idle skin. End of chapter 5